Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. As we're going to be talking about how we talk this morning, we'll just launch right into it. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. I'm going to say this verse and then we're going to pray. For everyone, for everyone to whom much is given, much more will be required. Much more will be demanded from everyone. Another translation, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. Let's pray. Lord, ready our hearts, our souls, our minds, our bodies, our spirits to receive the word of God this morning. Let everybody know in this house, Lord, that we call Foundation Church. Let everybody know that's saved, that today is a great day. This is the, this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We ready our hearts for the word of God right now. We ready them. We get ready to receive. The word is Jesus. Jesus is the word. There is no delineation. So Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, almighty God, we receive you in this place today. And we are ready to receive in Jesus' mighty name. And the church shouts, amen. 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 What we say is very important. There's seats, guys. Let's find everybody's seats back here. Somebody do me a favor. Who's ever, Jeff, can you find them seats? Let's get everybody's seats. Thank you. What we say is very important. How do I know this? How do I know that what we say is very important? Let's look. Matthew chapter 12, verse 37. Before I even read it, let me ask you this question. How many of us struggle? How many of you struggle with what you say? Understand that that's not a lighthearted thing. You, you may go to a Bible study that's some sort of let's work on how we talk Bible study and everybody is like uh, mutually enabling. Oh, I know, I struggle with that too. If that's your Christianity, understand that it's off target and wrong. To, to, to acknowledge a perpetual struggle is not the Bible. And if it's not the Bible, then it's not Jesus because Jesus is the Bible. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. There are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. A perpetual struggle is not for you. Learn to hate a perpetual struggle. Instead of embracing it as a cross, a lot of Christians, what they actually consider to be a cross is blatant carnality. A cross is persecution. A cross is not our own personal struggles. Oh, I struggle with addiction. That's my cross. That's not a cross. That's hell-bound sin. You've got to understand the difference. It is, it is, absolutely, it is a full-scale, five-alarm emergency that you understand the difference between what you will be judged by and what the modern church is preaching. That is why you see verses in the Bible, like Matthew chapter, 20, chapter 7, 21 through 23. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. Many will come in my name, saying, have we not prophesied in your name? 
Have we we not done many wonderful works in thy name? Have we not cast out devils in your name? And he says, I never knew you. Because their Christianity wasn't the Bible. That is why 99.9% of churches closed in 2020. That is why 99.9% of Christians closed in 2020. For what? For what? Where's the, where's the body wagons? Where's the, fun- where's, the, where's the jam-packed funeral homes and cemeteries? You ever ask yourself that? Where exactly are they? The reason why the church closed is because the church's Christianity is not the Bible. That's why this church never closed. That's why I never gave it a second thought. Never a second thought, how dare you, Tom? Don't you care about lives? Listen, I care more about the Bible than I care about lives. I don't fix my eyes on the seen. I fix my eyes on the unseen. The Bible's what counts. It's very important how we talk. For those of you that struggle in it, which all of us do, it's very important that you understand the gravity of words. Matthew chapter 12, verse 37. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Kind of important, are they not? The flippant little gossip that we get involved in, the negativity that we say, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Man, that's heavy, Tom. This is the real, this is real preaching. This is what we're supposed to get. If it, listen, some of this should edify you or tear you down, one of the two. If it does nothing, you're at the wrong church. I know that's what people find comforting. Well, I went to church today, man, I felt nothing. Gosh, that's good. <laughs> I would never want to be corrected. I would never want anybody to work a nerve or push me or challenge me. Let's set that verse up. When Jesus says, A tree is known by its fruit. We see that in Matthew chapter 12. A tree is known by its fruit. What fruit is he referring to? Almost all of us think that it's actions, right? Let me lay this out to you before I say anything else. How important are actions? Incredibly important, right? What is repentance? A repentance is a 180 degree turn of thought. Not even action. So you're like, Tom, are you saying that all I have to do is change my thoughts and I get to go to heaven no matter how I act? No, it's impossible. Because the only way to change your thoughts, to change how you think and how you you talk is to change your actions. Actions are the most elementary thing. Commit all thy works unto the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Proverbs chapter 16, verse three. So actions actually become, actually are first. So how you talk would be before. That will change how you think. So what thoughts, what, what actions and words are, are an attempt at repentance. Is everybody getting this? Commit thy works unto the Lord. Works first and then your thoughts will follow. Everybody tries to change their heart and then change their actions and then change your words. No, change your actions and your words first. Then your thoughts will be established. People miss it. 
You want true repentance is a change of thought. The beginning stages of true repentance is to change how you act and how you talk. Otherwise, your thoughts will never change. The evidence of somebody attempting to repent is a change of thought, is a change of action, and a change of words. Otherwise, your mind will never change. And that's why God can read you. Let's look at it now. Let's lay this verse out. Jesus said, a tree is known by its fruit. What fruit is he referring to? No fruit is needed. Other, the fruit that he's speaking of is the fruit that he observes. No other fruit is needed to be observed. Let's look, Matthew chapter 12, 33 through 37. Entitled, a tree is known by its fruit. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Jesus doesn't need to observe anything else but what's in here. So let's look at what he's observing. Brood of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what fruit is he looking at? Look at me. What fruit is he looking at? What you say. Why? Because that shows your heart. That will be the evidence that God uses against you or for you is what you say. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I love it when Christians think that they're solid and they're negative. You're not solid if you speak negativity. If you speak fear, if you speak doubt. I love the Christians who are thinking that they're expanding in their knowledge of grace by allowing profanity back in their life. Well, you know, when I first got saved, God told me to uh, stop cussing. I felt that conviction, but now I'm 10 years in and God said, let it right back in. I have an expanded understanding of grace now. You know, in the mountains and the hillbillies in West Virginia, they all cuss. So that means I can cuss. No, it doesn't. Not at all. I'm not going to try not to go too far. It's bothering me greatly that over the last year or so, I keep running into one Christian after another who has years in. That's still dropping F-bombs. I'm like, are you really saved? Because out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. There is no such thing as having a pure heart and a corrupt mouth. God doesn't need to look at anything else but our words. That's the fruit that he's observing. That's how, for by your words, you will be justified. This is just literally Three verses down, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Everybody talks that verse, but they never go down to Matthew 12, 37. Simply three verses from Matthew 12, 34 is Matthew 12, 37. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Thomas, is it really? Is this? I know that it's shocking for some people that Christianity is this heavy. It is. It's the real deal. This is not a light and airy faith. How we talk deeply matters. It really matters how you talk. It's, it's potentially, at least potentially, a heaven and hell issue. How can we be justified and condemned by our words? 1 Samuel 16, 7. God doesn't need anything else. But the Lord, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or height. God doesn't care what we propagate. 
God doesn't care about the portrait that we carry around. See, a lot of people, they, they've, never, they've never experienced being a pastor of a church. Everybody should. Because what you discover is that most people are deeply fake. Tom, what burr got up your saddle this morning? <laughs> Nothing. It's just the truth. Most people, they walk around, look how solid our marriage is, get to know them better. And especially before you take advice from some false prophet, make sure that you know them. You guys over there, I'm going to tell you, if I have to look at you again, you will regret it. And I mean deeply. Got it? Shake your head at me like you got what I'm saying. Okay. See, this is a real church. Don't mess around here. Oh, gosh, you know, you're going to offend somebody and cause them to leave. Don't care. Doesn't mean I don't love you. I'm just not going to lie to you and soft pedal you to keep you in the building. I will not do that to you. That's unloving. That's like not spanking your child. Not that I'm calling any of you my children. I'm just telling you. It's not some cult, my children, my children. I'm just telling you. Don't, don't mess around here. This is, the, this is about all about the word of God. So how are we justified and condemned by our words? But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. He rejected the most solid-looking person in the house to be king over Israel. Rejected the one that everybody put forth. I'm telling you right now, I've seen that over my entire ministerial career. The Christians that look the best produce the least. You're like, aren't there exceptions? Of course there's exceptions, but they're rare. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And out of the abundance of the heart, Amen. the mouth speaks. So God looks at our words. Back to Matthew chapter 12, 33 through 37, verse 35. A good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil tre treasure brings forth evil things. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man, that's why it's so important that you worship. You know, this church that pushes me in every way, shape, or form. That's right. You're not a Catholic. I was raised Catholic. I can say whatever I want about it. It's like if you're raised Italian, you can make fun of Italians. You're Irish, you can make fun of Irish. If you're white, you can make fun of white. I'll make fun of anybody because I don't care. They always think I'm a racist anyway. <laughs> Xenophobic racist. I know. I got my I got my I got my labels. And for those who think it really doesn't matter what I say, or I just have to say it. Anybody don't raise your hand. Anybody struggle with that? I just have to say it. I got to get it. You feel this on the inside of you. It's called obsessive compulsion. I got to get it. I got to say it. You feel it. You know the best thing you can do is take up your cross and deny yourself. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. If you're somebody who's so compelled, that's Mark chapter 8 verse 34. Just so you know I'm not making things up. You know not everybody needs to hear what you say. You aware of that? You're like, Tom, aren't you being hypocritical? No. Listen, my, what I, here, I am one of those people. I honestly believe everybody needs to hear what I have to say. So the Holy Spirit is constantly on me saying what? 
let your words be few. But Lord, doesn't everybody need to know? And you're like, are you just talking? No, I mean anything. Seriously, anything. I feel like everybody needs to know. So the Holy Spirit is constantly telling me, keep your mouth shut. All right, Lord. Are you doing that? Or are you just still somebody who doesn't listen at all? Everybody has to hear what I have to say. No, they don't. Where do you get this from? The two opinions. I, it really doesn't matter what I say. Do you think that way? Or I just have to say it. I'm compelled. I have to vent. How many of you still believe in venting? Yeah, you're wrong. It's not biblical. Biblically, venting is not biblical. No, I love you guys. Raise your boldness. I love it. Raise your hands. I would have. Two years ago, I'd have raised my hand. I think it's good to vent. No, it's not. You're actually more pure if you deny yourself. Let's look at the verses so you know that I'm not lying to you. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. Whoops! You don't think this can, I love the people that just raised their hand because they're with me. I struggle too. I don't like that verse. I want that removed from the Bible. That's not an option. <laughs> I'm a big talker, so I want, I feel like everybody needs, I am a big talker. I want these verses removed out of the Bible because if I want the Bible to be more convenient for my own personal theology. My own personal theology is that everybody needs to hear what I have to say. That's not the Bible. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool uttereth all his mind. You sure everybody needs to hear you vent? Are you sure? Because it says right here, a fool utters all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it till afterwards. What does that mean? You know, in the heat of the situation, when you want to spout your negativity, look at me now, don't run from what, don't run from me. <laughs> Some of you, the, mo the people who need to be looking at me the most right now are not. You know, it's in that situation. Maybe it's money-related. Whatever the pressure and the stress may be of the scenario that you're in, and you just gotta put out your negativity. And you'll retract later because you love God. Oh, you know, I never should have said that. Yeah, you never should have, so don't. What's it hurt if you don't? You should always ask yourself that question. What will it hurt if I don't say it? What will it hurt? It's, it's much more common to hurt by saying it than not saying it. Yes, there are times when you need to say things to people. You ought to be telling people that are important to you that you love, you, that you love them. And guys, you need to be uncomfortably speaking to your wives. One quiet amen and one come on. Nothing over here. <laughs> What do you mean uncomfortably talking to your wife? You need to be telling her that she looks good, that, that, you, uh, that you love her, that you have deep romantic conversations. I don't do that with the old lady. You're not going to be married in five years. <laughs> it matters what you say. How many of you, how many of you call, don't, don't, don't amen this and don't raise your hands. <laughs> how many of you talk like that? How many of you use verbiage like that? Oh, I love the old lady. Old lady? Told you not to raise your hand, Todd. <laughs> Lucky, though, the camera didn't catch you. 
The fool utters all his mind. So when you're in that scenario, and you're like, things are not the way that I want them to be, you do not have to vent. Stand in the word of God and keep your mouth shut. I can't, I can't. A fool utters all his mind. A wise man keeps it till after the situation is over. Keep your mouth shut. It won't hurt nobody. Nobody is going to die because they did not hear your voice inflections. Nobody's going to die because your vocal cords didn't vibrate in that moment. Not a soul. You're welcome. You should see the faces I'm looking at right now. Back to Matthew chapter 12. Now we're at verse 36. Do words matter? It really doesn't matter what I say, or I just have to say it. Let's look. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. Things are not going well right now. You'll give an account for that. Why would you say it? Are your steps ordered or are they not? They're ordered. Psalm chapter 37, verse 23, says that they are. And in verse 25, right after that, it says the righteous are never seen begging for bread, so why would you speak as if you would be? As if that's even a possibility. I gotta get it out. Really, that's demonic. It's carnal. Carnal minimal, demonic maximum. You don't. Every idle word, God knows. If he's got your hairs of your head all numbered, John chapter 10, verse 30, every single one of your hairs are numbered. Even for those of you who have no hair, as I look around the room, (laughs) you still got the follicles and they're all numbered. (laughs) So Tom, are you telling me that little words and little statements of wrath, is that you by the way? Got to get that in. Got to get it in. Got to get that swarmy little statement in. Those little, those statements matter? Yes, they do. You will give an account of it in the day of judgment. Ready for that? Standing before Yahweh, give an account of it to God. Every idle word, because I just had to get it in. Every word or statement of fear matters. Why would you ever speak fear? Well, because it could happen. You know, that's the way a lot of us have been taught in how to handle scenarios is our past experiences instead of the Bible. And that's why our past experiences continue to repeat, it, repeat it themselves over and over again because they have become our orthodoxy, have become our doctrine instead of the Bible. That's why they keep repeating, they keep repeating, and they keep repeating, whether it's being broke, whether it's sickness, whatever it may be mental illness, whatever it is, it keeps repeating itself and repeating itself and repeating itself because we don't keep our mouths shut in all of these situations. We just speak death into every last one of them. And then, you know, I'm gonna try to grow in between. You can't grow in between if you're still spouting the devil's words. A lot of us, we live in fear because we, with somebody we wanted to see be made well wasn't made well. So we don't wanna take the chance again. So we start to speak the swarmy words of the enemy. Well, God can heal, but you never know if he will. It's not in here. It's like I've told you for 15 months of 14 days to flatten the curve. I've told you this forever. 
Well, yeah, we believe the Bible, but you have to use wisdom. So human wisdom trumps the breathed word of God. And that's what you do when you speak fear into any scenario whatsoever. Fear is faith in the devil, false evidence appearing real. The devil's a liar from the beginning, a murderer from the beginning, whose native language is lying. That's what fear is. Well, yeah, but you know, I tried to stand in faith before and it didn't work out. That's because there's unbelief in the camp. Be like me and just acknowledge it and move on and try to dispel unbelief. That's your job as a Christian. So if I speak anti-faith, it matters. Well, let's look. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, Right? So if we speak anti-faith, well, you know, I believe that God can keep COVID out of the building, but you know, you have to use wisdom. That's not faith. No, I'm using wisdom. That's not faith. Tom, this is just too hardcore. That's the Bible. In every single idle word that we speak, and for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. This is the word of God. We can soft pedal it all we want and live with blinders on, but this is what God considers important. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So you are supposed to do what he does. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Romans 4, 17, right? That's how you're supposed to live. Well, I might look foolish. They already think you're foolish. Who cares what they think anyway? Tom, you're telling me that speaking words of doubt matter? I don't know. Let's look. James chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. Mm-hmm. Do you mean take the chance that when I pray that it's going to work? Take that Use my words and say, but what if it doesn't work and then people come and make fun of me? Well, the, what changed anyway? If you go to the crazy nth degree that I'm at, which is the Bible... And you speak in every situation when someone comes up to me and says, you ask anybody in this church, they come up to me and say, anything from cancer to hemorrhoids, I've got this. I say, not for long. And when it's failed and when it hasn't disappeared and been healed, I do not change my orthodoxy. Why? Why? Because it was either their fault or my fault that it wasn't, dis- that wasn't made to disappear. Tom, how dare you say that? That's not me saying it. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Is what Jesus said to the disciples when they had to wake him up. Mark chapter 4, 37 through 41. I preach about it all the time. Is it proves my point. A great windstorm arose. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. The waves were in the boat. He's in, this is not a cabin cruiser. There is no cabin. He's with everybody else, but he is asleep. Jesus is asleep in the stern of the boat on a pillow. And they awoke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do their words matter? 
He said nothing. Then he awoke. Then he arose is what it says. Spoke to the wind and the waves. Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And now the modern church would all praise God. Praise you. Thank you, Lord. Then they would expect Jesus to come by and say, see, I can help you. Look how I helped you. Don't you appreciate me? Give me worship. It's not what Jesus did. Immediately after that, there was, no, there was nothing else. He spoke to the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And there was a, the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Then he said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? That's the Bible. That's Christianity. Well, I can't stand under that. Then you're not standing under Christianity. You can't take this church, which is pure Bible. Understand, the day of judgment will be rough for you. You have to embrace the word of God and the correction of the word of God. When, when God says things like that to me, Tom, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I don't go looking for pastor skip verses at coast this and abundant that to quell the storm, to quell what hurts me on the inside by telling me a bunch of complacent ideology. I embrace the Bible. You're right, Lord. The reason why when I laid hands on that person and they were not made well was their unbelief or mine. You tell me which one. Amen. Thank you for that amen. You're the only one who had courage to say it. Everybody else is afraid to amen that. They think it's some sort of health and wealth prosperity doctrine. Well, if it's health and wealth and it's prosperity, if it's the word of God, then it's the Bible. Don't be thrown off by people who go overboard. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Does doubt matter? James chapter one, six and seven, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from God. And they don't and are fine with it. That's the modern church right now sees the Bible unfold before their very eyes in a way that is not edifying to them and are fine with it. Most churches in the world, 99% of churches closed all around the world. That's why you don't hear me espouse any longer the greatness of the revivals in Africa. They all closed. The greatness of the revivals in India. They all closed. Japan closed. Argentina, Brazil, closed. Canada, closed. United States, closed. You don't hear me say any of that anymore. And as they did, right now, we have got the mark of the beast unfolding before our very eyes in what's called a vaccine passport. All around the globe, QR codes being assigned to people Happening in New York City, nine million people live there. You want to go to a Knicks game? Nope. You, you, oh, you know you can go to a Knicks game in New York? Do you know? You have to have your vaccine passport, what's called an Excelsior Pass. If you don't have it, then you sit in the unvaccinated section with your mask on. <laughs> Which will be very interesting seating, considering that most white people are getting the vaccine and most black people are not. So you'll have a white section of vaccinated and a black section of unvaccinated. Oh, we're going back to the early 60s. And they call me a racist. Ready? Whoops! Whoopsie daisy. 
So people won't bother to pray over healing and nobody gets healed. At least if somebody doesn't get healed, when I pray over them, I tried. And they didn't try, so same result, right? You pray, a person dies. And then you, you, you took the chance of going my way, which is the Bible. Well, you say, you're not gonna be, you will be made well. You take that chance and they die anyway. And then the people all around, see, see? Well, what did they gain? The person died either way. Why not try? Because I might look bad. Who cares what you look like? David danced before the Lord with all of his might while his own wife mocked him and he's called a man after God's own heart. You can't just say to somebody, you will be made well. Will you stand with me? I won't even pray for you if you don't want to be made well. I'm done. I'll ask you, point blank, what do you want? Well, just want to be comforted during this time because I know God has laid this cross upon me. I've got this flu right now, whether it's Kung flu or not. I have this flu upon me. It's teaching me things. I won't pray for you. Tom, you're mean. No, I'm biblical. You ever read Jesus? You ever read him? Think he'd fit into the modern church? Think he would? He wouldn't fit in the modern church. He'd be excommunicated from the modern church. He would never get past anybody's oral board, ever. They'd be like, man, that dude's rough. That's why nobody asked me to preach anywhere. <laughs> I get no calls to preach. <laughs> we got thousands of people that watch us. The only person that's ever asked me to preach is Pastor Rodney. That's it. He lets me up there all the time because he's not afraid of God. And he's not afraid of the Bible. So he's like, oh, hey, Pastor Tom, you share. And you know, that's how he likes to do things. You're just sitting there, you have absolutely no idea, and he hands you a microphone and says, share. <laughs> it's 2,000 people looking at you. <laughs> That's why you better know your Bible. I, I, I've started more than once with, well. <laughs> Does it matter? These words and statements, do they matter? Well, I think it matters if you speak doubt. Because you're like a wave driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he'll receive anything from God. I think that matters, do you? What about snottiness and contempt? Does that matter? Are you like, well, they deserve it. No, they, it doesn't matter what they deserve. What do you deserve? I deserve to burn in hell for all of eternity. Anybody else with me? I deserve it. That's what I deserve. What I deserve has been lifted off my shoulders. By grace. Can't earn it. Can't be good enough, nothing. Well, they deserve it. Doesn't justify what you do. Where do you get that from? Anybody, don't raise your hands. I love you. I love you all who did. I'm just telling you, don't raise your hands. If anything, I'll raise my hand and make you feel better. Does anybody struggle with snottiness and contempt for people? Because you got to get it out. You know, you're an eye roller. It's like I just did. Because you know what? That's what I struggle with. My wife's caught me before. I didn't know she caught me because I was looking in the refrigerator, as usual. I wasn't in the mood. Listen. <laughs> Men and women are different. I don't care what the transgender activists tell you or what the Democratic Party tells you. Men and women are completely different. 
Not one, there's, listen, God is not a respecter of persons. There's not one above another. They're different. A chihuahua and a Rottweiler are both a dog, but they're very different. But my wife, she gives broad summaries. I'm looking for a brief summary. Hey, I, I, see, I try to break through and defy my own carnality by actually going up to her and saying, hey, babe, how was your day? And my, my response when she asked me that is, hey, things are good today. Thank you. Love you, babe. We're all done in about 1.7 seconds. <laughs> When I ask her that, I've come to understand that I've opened up a can of worms that that is at a minimum 10 minutes. (laughs) And she's caught me before, trying to hide, looking somewhere else and going. (sighs) (laughs) See, but I take that and I take it to the word of God and I apply it to the Bible. And this is what it says, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 16, a fool. Shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. She isn't even insulting me, and I still am so foolish that I show my annoyance at once. The biblical requisite is if, you, if someone is insulting you and you show your annoyance at once, you're a fool. Let alone somebody's mildly disturbing you and you show it in your face. Think about where I'm at. And don't be looking at me. Some of you are looking at me, oh, you poor man. I'm so glad I'm above you. Are you sure you are? Better check with God first. Snottiness and contempt matter. How you treat people. I just got to get it out. It's not God's way. It might be the Italian way, the Russian way, the Irish. None of that matters to God. He's not a respecter of your nationality, of your heritage. It doesn't matter to God. From whom much much is given, much is demanded. Does gossip matter? I'm telling you, there will be so many more people than think that they are will be burning in hell for all of eternity for gossip. It's named in all the lists. Are you aware? It's named in every single list. Along with murder, they put gossip. I shouldn't say they. Well, it is they. The Trinity puts gossip. Right along murder, right along with murder, fornication, homosexuality, gossip is on all those lists. Please read it when you go home today. Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. Those lists of sin, gossip is right there next to it. And every single time, because words matter. They actually matter. Does gossip matter? 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 13. And besides, they learn to be idle. Who's he talking about here? If it's written to Timothy, the pastor of a church, who is this written to? This is written to people who are saved. It's not written to the lost. People people will use that all the time as a shield from truth, to run from truth. Oh, that was written to Jews. No, it wasn't. It was not. I told you a couple weeks ago about the guy who told me. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 and 27. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, first of all, look at the pronouns. Everybody wants identifiable pronouns now, right? I identify as we, thee, they, she, she, whatever, she. Might as well make up one. Everybody else does, so I make up she. Wasn't on purpose, but I just made up another one. 
If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. He said that was written to Jews. In the, uh, Jews. No, it wasn't. It was written in the book of Hebrews, 10, 26, and 27, written to the saved in Jerusalem. The verse before it is not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So how does it do? Switch in and out? Jew, not Jew. Jew, not Jew. No, he's used it his whole life to stay in sin, think that he's eternally secure, and live however he darn well pleases. That's what he's done. He justifies. He makes up his own Bible. So this was written, talking about whether gossip matters or not, this was written to the saved. 1 Timothy 5.13, and besides, they, saved people, learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, if you're one of those, understand, I've been one of those. I'm not looking down on you for your sin. Are you, are you, Tom, are you cracking me for my sin? Yes, I am. Just like I cracked myself for my sin. Are you one of those who wanders around the church? Oh, hey, do you know why Debbie left? Hey, you know, I, I noticed that, you know, Stan no longer comes. Does anybody know why? I want to ask you a question. Have you ever taken Deb or Stan out to dinner ever? Then why do you care? Besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house. And not only idle, but gossips and busybodies saying things which they ought not. Um, do you know, hey, I was wondering, what happened the other day on the worship team? Aaron looked upset. Why do you care? Are you taking Aaron out to dinner? Why don't you go to Aaron and ask him? Because you're entertaining yourself through your own carnality, and it matters. It may be a heaven and hell issue if you cross the line into sinful gossip. Heaven and hell, burn in hell for all of eternity, because you had to know why Aaron's facial expressions changed. Tom, where do you get this from? I've been in the church since 1987 because Christians don't pray, they don't study the word, they don't do the four essentials, prayer, Bible study, worship, and fellowship. They don't do those things. And because of that, they learn to be idle. Idle people have to entertain themselves. That's why Americans are habitually addicted to entertainment. They're idle. Oh, yes, yes. Dopamine, dopamine. You know how else you can get a dopamine dump? Be in the presence of God. I'm not saying it happens every time, I'm just telling you. You want your life to have meaning? Being, having perpetual dopamine dumps by screen, by constantly scrolling screens, it's literally like living on pure glucose. It makes you fat. It makes you idle and you don't feel good. It's great at the moment though, believe me. You're looking at somebody, you can tell by looking at me, I eat too much sugar. But I'm telling you, it doesn't do anything for you. It's just like those who are addicted to snorting cocaine, smoking cocaine, oxycodone, whatever it may be in the moment, it solves the problem. And that's why people walk around there idle because they're dead spiritually. 
So they've got to entertain themselves at other Christians' expense. Tom, it just seems like we have a major problem with that at this church. We don't actually. You know why? This is what I find out. You'll either leave or fix it. Tom, you take those chances? Yeah. Why would I not? But you could lose your career. Don't care. I mean, if those of you who have come here for a while, you already know. How many have been coming here for more than a month? Shout amen. amen. So you already know. And by the way, you are a rare breed. <laughs> a rare breed. I don't care. My, my purpose in life is not to ascertain a ministerial career. My purpose in life is to preach the gospel. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16? Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. That's all that I care about is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether people come, whether people go, and you like, that doesn't sound very loving. You'll never find a church that loves you more than this one, ever. If you ever found yourself in any sort of situation, you'd find out. And people miss out on it. It's funny, they run from me, and then they go to a church who doesn't give a poop about them. They tell them what all they want to hear, but then when they need somebody, there's nobody there for them. We drive people everywhere. We pay, we've paid their bills. Not habitually, so if you're one of those, don't bother. <laughs> Gossip matters. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28. A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. You're perverted if you stir up conflict. You're a pervert. How you like that? Does profanity matter? Well, let's look. People think that it's religious or works-based. That's, that's, that's also a way to run from truth. Well, I, you know, I believe in grace, and that's, that's works-based. Profanity does matter. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. Does that sound ambiguous to anybody? Paul writing, but now you yourselves are to put off all these. Anger, wrath malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Well, how do you know if it's filthy or not? Well, if you have a question, then don't say it. It's filthy as I get is caboose. Shoving various objects and doctrines and vaccines and vaccine passports, Anthony Fauci himself, whatever, up people's caboose. <laughs> Anthony Fauci needs to take all of his emails and shove them up his caboose too. Tom, do these things really matter? We've got 11 minutes to go. Everybody with me? Yeah. Just let you all know. 11 minutes to go. Do these things really matter? Go back to Matthew 12, 36 and 37, combining them two together. But I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. It matters. Do these things matter? Do these words matter to the Christian? Psalm chapter 7, verse 11, God judges the righteous. But I was told, when I went to Pastor Skinny Jeans, <laughs> Pastor Skip Them Verses, first name Skip, middle initial, them, middle name them, last name Verses, Pastor Love, 
Pastor COVID caver. I went to them. And they said, God's not angry at you. You believe that? You believe God? Let me ask you this question. Are you ever mad at your kids? How many parents we got in here? Shout amen. Yes. You ever mad at them? Yes. Okay. Then what are you talking about? God would never be mad at you? I've seen you. There's, there's Christians who espouse that doctrine that God's never mad at them. And I see you mad at your kids. You're created in his image. There's a reason why you are. I've been mad at my kids. They've been mad at me. Anger can only lead to sin. It's not sin in and of itself. But God judges the righteous. In Psalm 711. It's easy to remember that verse because I'm a slurpy connoisseur. Psalm 711. <laughs> hey, however you got to memorize scripture, memorize it. I have a slurpy every single day of my life. It's a very easy verse to remember. That's why I can't see my belt when I look down. God judges the righteous. But I was told by Pastor Skinny Jeans and Pastor COVID Caver, Pastor Zoom Service, I was told that God is never mad at you and God is not judging me. That's not the Bible. We're not judging you. You hear that from the pulpit all the time? You shouldn't be hearing that from the pulpit all the time. Jesus said, judge, but judge righteously. John chapter 7, verse 24. You are supposed to judge. You never should have had a Zoom service. You never should have closed. Homosexuality is sin. Heterosexual sin is sin. Sex outside of marriage, heterosexually, is sin. They go, Tom, you're judging. That's not judging. You, you have a, if, you're, if you're traipsing around with a pride flag right now, you're not saved. You have no concept of Christianity. None. None. Oh, I'm just trying to show my love and let them know that I tolerate and accept them. Listen, I don't have any problem living with anybody, but I do not tolerate or accept their sin, nor will I ever say that, give my stamp and put it, appro- put it approved on their sin. Never. Saw this alleged Christian, my wife pointed out to me on social media, putting out, she's out there, she attends Pastor Skinny Jean's church. I want to name the church, I won't, but it's local. Foundation Church Refugee Camp. Many people have fled this church and go there. If you're one of those, just, you just come back to the hammer. <laughs> Why are you up there? Don't be afraid. I mean, come on, it's just Bible. It's just the Bible. But she's out there and she's handing out pride flags. She attends an evangelical church whose website looks identical to ours. Sings the same songs Aaron sings. Has the same doctrine. Pastor was raised in the assembly of God. They don't preach the same doctrine because they avoid the Bible like the plague itself. They're, they're in the midst of a summer playlist as their sermon series off the internet. But she's out handing out pride flags in the name of love. And she attends that church faithfully. Whoops. Whoops. God judges the righteous. And God is angry at the wicked every day. God's not mad at you. You sure? If you're wicked, he is. Says God is angry at the wicked every day. Well, I just don't see it that way. Yeah, you're one of those that said you had to use wisdom too, aren't you? So you were watching Zoom services for 10 months, weren't you? I love the Christians that are complaining now. Well, I wish this was open. Why is there a ketchup shortage? Because of you, idiot. (laughs) 
All right, is, is Bill in here? Yeah. Stan Cook in here? What's the, what's the update on plywood? How much is it? How much is it? Per sheet. If I had to buy it at Home Depot today, what would it cost me? $78 per sheet? <laughs> what did it used to cost? $38? So it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's doubled in price. Well, and you hear a Christian contractor who closed their church or participated in it? Well, why do I have to pay so much for plywood? Because of you, dummy. You don't think I'll call them a dummy? I will, right to their face. It's your fault. You did it. You can't just turn an economy back on when you shut it off for a year. It's now a year behind. All the plants that make plywood were closed to try to save the lives of 18-year-olds who are making the plywood. An 18-year-old who has a zero chance of dying of COVID. Zero. Anybody 17 or under the entire county of Los Angeles, they didn't have one death. Not one death of anybody 17 or under in the entire county of Los Angeles. You're seven to 20 times more likely to die of the flu from zero to 19 than you are COVID. And everybody puts masks on their kids for COVID? Why? Your kid, that's not from me, by the way. That's from the CDC, that propaganda organization. So it's probably even better. It's probably better for me. And all these Christians, they strap masks on their kids and they don't do it for flu season. Why? Because you bought into propaganda. God judges you for that. God judges the righteous. He's angry at the wicked every day. Where else do you get this, Tom? First Peter chapter four, verse 17. For the time has come for judgment to begin where? To begin where? At the house of God. And then the pastors tell you from their false pro, uh, pulpits as false prophets, God's not judging you. It begins with us. Many pastors, their churches are never coming back. They're just too spiritually blind to know it. They think, you know what, we'll, we'll bounce back. You're never coming back. Holy Spirit's gone. Till you repent, he's gone. You can do all you want. You can try to change songs. You can get another building, do some more raffles, some more giveaways and gift packs and false doctrine. Try all you want, they ain't coming back. God fights against you out of the sword of his mouth. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? 1 Peter 4, 18 and 19. And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved. See, anybody, I mean, anybody seeing this? That this is never taught? You're like, Tom, I've been sitting in this church a long time. I look at people who I know, I've seen you for years. You've heard it. You're blessed. Not by me, but by the Bible. And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. And people think things don't matter when judgment begins with us first. I'll finish with this. Your worship team, you guys can make your way. I'll finish right here. Don't play too loud. I don't know how long I'm gonna keep going. It'll be two, three, four, five minutes. Something in there. We'll be anywhere from two minutes to three hours from right now, we're done. 
<laughs> Finish with this. We are expected, and so you know, this is where the second service will take off, is from right, right here, from these verses. We are expected to control what we say. From whom much is given, much is demanded. From everyone who has been given much, much more will be asked. We're expected to control it. Much is demanded in a covenant that's this great. It's a great covenant, is it not? You've been given all things. You've been healed. Your soul, your body is supposed to prosper just as your soul prospers. You've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. Whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you loose is loosed. It says in James chapter 3 verse 8, and a lot of Christians live by this, but understand what, what, what the verse is speaking about. It says, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. That's for people who aren't saved, who are not the temple of the Holy Spirit like you are. And that's where Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3, and this is where I'm closing. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? We have a great salvation. We are able to control what we say. And it can be, it can be a heaven and hell issue if we don't. I can tell you it's an abundant life issue regardless. If you want to get to a place, a James chapter one, two through four sort of place, wanting nothing. It means, wanting nothing means, you know what, there's just nothing, I am satisfied. I lack nothing. If you want to be that way, you're going to have to control what comes out of your mouth. You have to do it. Everybody's. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.